Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 141, recorded on May 9th, 2022. We are your hosts, Jordana, Tim, and Bub. And on tonight's episode, we attempt to answer the age-old question, which Central Florida resort deserves your vacation dollars? Walt Disney World or Universal Orlando? Bub, what do we think? I'm going to tell you, uh, right off the rip, uh, Universal Orlando. Clearly, uh, you know, three theme parks and so not four, less money, uh, cheaper, better value for your dollars and interior hallways, Tim. Interior hallways, buddy. <laughs> you're, 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 you're giving it away before we even get to the news, Bob. And also, what the heck is that accent? You no, have to explain was, uh, yourself oh, on that. that so my, what are you my, bringing back? The cousin from South yeah, Philly? Cousin from Southie's coming in tonight. Hey, for this oh, episode. I forgot about I haven't. We haven't talked. We haven't had cousin from Southie on the show it's, in quite a while. Been years, years. COVID, folks. COVID, COVID. Folks. Yeah, cousin from Selfie had a had a bad case. Bad case there. A uh, couple news stories this week. Disney announced that the nighttime spectacular Fantasmic with an exclamation point will return later in 2022, and when it does, it will feature completely new segment featuring Mulan, Elsa, Aladdin, Pocahontas, and Moana in heroic moments. Uh, this segment will replace the old. Pocahontas only segment of the show. Uh, new details uh, were put out of all, uh, about the center portion of Epcot post COVID scaling back of the redesign. It seems to confirm that the festival center is now a plaza and in place of all the architecture that was going to go in the center of Epcot, uh, hundreds of trees in the artist renderings. And I'm not exaggerating folks. Uh, I mean, Jordana, Bob, at least 500 trees in those pictures. Definitely check them out. We have them on the Ohana, I think. Uh, interestingly, in the press release itself, any mention of the spaceship Earth and its much, much needed revamp uh, are completely absent. So it looks like we're going to be waiting a little bit longer on any kind of anything for that. And uh, I know that ride was evacuated again last week. So it's uh, not only showing its age and its theming, uh, the ride mechanisms seem to be not doing it too hot. Uh, in baffling news, Star Wars Launch Bay, as of when you are hearing this, is now open. Uh, just as uh, walking through and seeing the same exhibits that have been there since before Galaxy's Edge opened, uh, the character meet and greets have not returned. The theater is not open. Uh, at an unspecified time, character meet and greets will return and we will let you know when that happens but as of now if you want to see the same sets props and models that have been in launch bay since it opened uh, you are welcome to do that once again uh guardians of galaxy cosmic rewind opens later this month it will be virtual queue only no standby individual lightning lane will also be available at 7 a.m for hotel guests and park opening for day guests those will go super, super fast, folks. So make sure you got your fingers and your apps ready. Uh, guests can enter the virtual queue no more than once per day. Uh, Jordana, question. Can you virtual queue it and ILL it, or is it a one or the other thing? I'm pretty sure you can't double dip. I'm pretty sure it's a one or the other. Am I wrong? I, I, I have like no this idea. This is the first ride that has both is, virtual queue and ILL. If, they're if, not going to not take your money. No, but like if so, I'm trying to think about when we had um, when we went to standby the day before ILL started. Yeah, so we, we've literally never had this interaction before. Oh yeah, that's true. I don't. I'm gonna was, tell you. So Rise of the Resistance wasn't both. Nope. No, it's no. never actually okay. been both. All right. Yeah. So I honestly, I would imagine that they're going to do some sort of rules that it's not going to be a double dipping sort of situation, but I don't No. See, I, I 
go the complete opposite way on that. Purely speculative on my end, but that individual Genie Plus Lightning Lane that you have to pay per ride, that has nothing to do with me getting in a virtual queue if I want. I, if I'm going to pay them uh, 20 bucks to go on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, regardless of whether I went into the virtual queue, those are not... Uh, those shouldn't be mutually exclusive to me. I, I, I firmly believe that you're going to be able to do both. Again, you never know. But because you're doing both know. on the app, it, there might be some way of blocking it where it's, you know... Listen... Listen, hey, your like, guess is as good as mine, you know? Like our former co-host Jay once said, Disney tech sucks. You can quote him on that. So who knows? I, I agree with Jay on that. Fair. The one uh, thing I agree but, with. So we got Bub in the camp of both probably and Jordana in the camp of both probably not. And folks, we will let you know once this experience is open to the public in a few short weeks what the case is. But either way, uh, the press uh, rides for this happened over the weekend, and it seems to be universally adored by pretty much everyone. Uh, Really seems like this is Disney taking a step to the next level and kind of trying to answer some of the uh, the coasters that we're going to talk about in our universal segment. But I personally am very excited to get on this one. And one last piece of news, late breaking at the time of recording, the trailer for the long, long awaited Avatar 2, Avatar The Way of Water, I believe is the subtitle, uh, has come out. It looks absolutely amazing, Uh, although it kind of looks like a very big story driven version of Flight of Passage. But uh, that is on YouTube, Vimeo. Uh, I don't know. Whatever you watch trailers on these days, no, so check that out. When you get a chance. Well, Tim. I think it's in the Ohana oh. as well. We dropped it there. And it, we posted in the Ohana, so uh, if mm-hmm. you remember Ohana, just search for that post. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, we're on to the main event this week: a slugfest between Universal Orlando and Walt Disney World. But first, the tale of the tape: Walt Disney World weighing in at 2,700 acres of filled-in swamp land with an assist from Walt's fixture, Hollowell. So throw back to last week, folks. Great episode. Check it out if you haven't heard it. Four theme parks, 86 attractions, 31 hotels, a fun district in Disney Springs, and two water parks. Universal Orlando punching out of the other corner, a much slimmer 541 acres with two theme parks, 40 attractions, eight hotels, it's fun district in City Walk, and water parks, one, but one hell of a water park. Folks, we will not be discussing the water parks this week, nor will we be discussing those fun districts, but we are going to, everything else is fair game as these two behemoths of the Central Florida vacation entertainment industry go head to head, and hopefully we're going to pick a winner and tell you where we think your vacation dollars in 2022 are best spent. So starting off, let's get into those hotels. Bub, Jordana, what do we got? So for the hotels, Disney calls them value, moderate, or deluxe. With Universal, they're called Premier. I believe they're still value for the for the lower ones. Is that right, Tim? And I don't think they really differentiate their moderate. A nicer value, we'll say that. So Disney obviously just wins as far as the amount. Sure, number, yeah. And then the theming. Sometimes I compare Polynesian to Lowe's Royal Pacific because everybody says that's the, I don't know, like the island kind of feel of Universal. It's way better at Polynesian, in my opinion, and I'm sure in Tim's as well because... Tim's a really the big theme, The guy. theming is certainly way better. Yeah. Uh, the Polynesian theming. And I think that's kind of the the theme, to not overuse the term, throughout. Disney's hotels seem to be, are, are much more adherent to an idea, whether it's art of animation, where it's filled with every courtyard and corner is filled with giant fiberglass statues right. of animated characters, or Polynesian, where we have giant grass roof buildings. The the theming at Universal is certainly more subtle and less in your face, which some people may prefer. Um, Even Cabana Bay, like Cabana Bay compared to Pop Century, where they're kind of doing the same decade type thing. Um, 
you know, pop century. It's everywhere. It's the smell. It's the, you know, the decor. It's literally everything. And then Cabana Bay, it's just like the colors and it's not, it's not so much. It's not, you know, the pop art and stuff like that. The, the outdoors, all of these, all these resorts, you can continuously compare them and even side by side in some situations. It's not all Disney though. For example, Across the board, Universal's hotels are priced much more competitively than Disney's. Yes. Uh, their value resorts are oftentimes the full price most of the year is around $100 a night. And there are oftentimes deals available on top of that. So really, at Universal, you're paying the equivalent for a room that you would pay out in town off of a theme park uh, property for your resort room in Central Florida. Uh, which really is attractive because at Disney, their value resorts, the value is simply that they're the least expensive resort available on property that night. Um, That said, Disney's resorts are all self-contained within the property, whereas Universal's resorts are all, for the most part, across the highway. Some of their older deluxes are... um, still are our walking distance or boat distance from the parks themselves. Uh, but most of the resorts are located across the highway. So you're not as much in a bubble. For example, if you're at the Surfside or Dockside, you can walk to a Walgreens or a pizza place or a fast food place from there that has nothing to do with Universal Resort. For some people, that's a plus. It gives them options. They don't feel as tied to the theme park for their whole vacation. But for a lot of people, I think that is uh, immersion breaking. Yeah. Um, that said, Disney's um, Disney's values do tend to be more of a collection of motels all grouped together on a property. Uh, your room is not going to be interior facing. It's going to have uh, exterior hallways, whereas Universal's value resorts are all giant high rise towers with interior hallways, which is nice. It's much more of a hotel feel, but you are forced to use elevators and that can be tricky uh, when you're trying to leave or go home from the parks at the same time as everyone else. Uh, It can take a very, very long time to get back to your room as you're waiting for an elevator and being such massive towers. I mean, um, Universal's Endless Summer Dockside Resort has one third the number of rooms as Pop Century, which sounds smaller until you think about the fact that Pop Century has some of the most hotel rooms in the entire world and contained within a tower is one third that number of rooms. So it can be kind of confusing when you're trying to navigate back to your room uh, with a bunch of other people. Um, Bub, do you got anything to say about the hotels? What do you think of those interior hallways, Bub? I mean, interior hallways are a big selling point for a lot of people. I think um, I think you guys covered a lot. I mean, but you got to think when Disney's playing with 27,000 square acres of land and Universal's playing with just under 600, I mean, it's it's an entirely different uh experience for hotels uh for the resorts um we'd be fooling if we would say the the disney hotels have something that universal does not and that is an abundance of space uh some would say and i jordana we've spoken about it recently that the caribbean beach resort is such a gigantic piece of property just that resort alone so I, i think Lowe's owning the hotels, and this is something we talked about in the pre-show, and operating the hotels, there's a certain efficiency that comes with dealing with a Lowe's resort as opposed to a Disney-owned resort. There's a certain amount of... I, I want It's professionalism. That's not the word I'm thinking of. I'm going to go with efficiency I, as the word. Having a third-party company run the hotels that all they do is run hotels, I can see I could see your point. It, it, it is um, very much a... Um, a more professional touch because that's all they're focused on is the hotels, not also running a theme park, not also running a bus system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's another thing too. You got to remember though, uh, there's transportation to the parks for, from all these and, and the, the Portofino Bay and, and, um, the hard rock at, at universal. They're all right there. A uh, walking distance, like, like Tim had mentioned, I think it was so, but Disney's transportation 
uh, and again, Tim harkened back to it with Reedy Creek last week, uh, it is a huge bonus for the resorts, no matter where you're staying at Disney. Uh, to me, though, guys, I think you, you hit it. It's really a, a modern amenities type thing versus some of these hotels that are 50 years old. So it, it, it's an entirely different subject uh, between the two. Um, for me, um, I think Universal's hotels uh, being newer, being run professionally by Lowe's, I think they get the edge here for me, and that's not a knock against Disney, but I think the Universal Hotels are the better group of hotels just based on value alone and comparative pricing. That's me. I, I know Jordan and Tim may have different feelings on it, but for me, I got to give the check mark to, to Universal on the resorts. Um, I'm going to agree with Bub on this one. A big thing for me, as he mentioned, the transportation uh, from experience at um, Endless Summer, Dockside, and Surfside despite the fact that they are located the furthest from the theme parks and require busing, the buses are just running constantly because they're so much closer to the park entrance than say an all-star or pop. So you really never have to wait more than five minutes for a bus. And the other hotels being slightly smaller and not needing to rely on that internal busing system, like say Coronado Springs or Caribbean Beach or the larger Port Orleans Hotel, is a big plus for convenience. So between value and the lack, the less need for these giant transportation apparatuses, I am also going to give it to Universal in this category. Yeah, I don't know. I, you guys know that my that obviously you know we are a Disney podcast and Disney does have my heart. Uh, a lot of the resorts I'm currently on the quest to check off staying at every single Disney resort, which has been expensive because we're trying to knock out the deluxes while I still have two jobs. But um, it's, it, you know, universal, it's, it's convenience. It's, there's not so much. There's, you know, you're not staying in the theming as much as I love, love, love Disney. And I love Disney resorts and I love experiencing them. I'm giving it to universal as well. So I'm going to give you a smoking hot take from the resorts for me. If Disney made more resorts like the Riviera, I think, I think they'd be better off. And I, I know Disney purists don't necessarily love the Riviera, but the Riviera, in my opinion, having never stayed there and looking at it observationally from, from where I sit, the Riviera is as close uh, a universal style resort that Disney has in terms yeah. of its styling and the Grand Destino Tower. They don't necessarily fit with the theming at those at at Disney's resort itself. There, it's a little bit more modern. But I think if Disney continues to go that route, and even Bay Lake Tower, um, I think this would go a different way. My only thing, I is agree. They, sorry, I wish I wish they would, but every time, so they redid Contemporary. They threw Incredibles in there. They redid. Mm-hmm. Polly, they threw Moana in there. So it's like they're just the more they're throwing the characters in it, it's like mm-hmm. it seems like the less we're getting away from that Riviera style mm-hmm. at Disney. Yeah, but the Riviera has the character, but it's 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 subtle. subtle. It's, it's very nice. subtle. And Grand Casino has the same thing. So yeah. I just think if they get closer to that with some of the if they over did resorts over, that would be the way to do it for me. I think you guys are hitting the nail right on the head, actually. Uh, they're moving in opposite directions. Disney is trying to put IP now in every single hotel, whereas Universal, even their values, there is not the only place you see any Universal IP is inside the gift shops with the souvenirs you can buy. Um, although, kind of to Bob's point, the newly announced DVC Tower at the Polynesian, which kind of has come to mixed reviews from Disney fans, is also in that Grand Destino. Uh, Riviera mold of a modern tower hotel with uh, deluxe styling and deluxe hotel look and amenities. It wouldn't be out of place in, in Las Vegas as w- it, it's almost out of place in Disney in the Polynesian. But it sounds like Universal got a queen sweep here in the first round. So we're going to move on and into the parks themselves. Four theme parks at Walt Disney World, two at Universal, but Universal is got a lot of stuff packed into those two parks, whereas Disney kind of has two parks that are, are more spread out in Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. One thing that I think when it comes to Disney is it's just very clearly themed where it's like 
if you want to go to the safari, you're going to Animal Kingdom. If you want to go see the castle, you're going to Magic Kingdom. Unless you're my beginner clients who need to be educated, it's okay. We will explain it to you. But it's universal. I still get, you tell me a ride, I don't know where it is. I don't know if it's on the, I don't, and I've, I've only been to Universal a handful of times, so that could be my fault. But it's like, if you tell me where one ride is, I can't tell you if it's in Islands of Adventure or in Universal. Everything just so, um, you know, spills into each other to me. And uh, like, and that could be because Harry Potter spreads between the two parks or whatever the case is. But um, I just think that Disney definitely has that theming way better. <laughs> I, I agree to an extent. The, the Disney parks certainly each within their respective park have more cohesive theming. But I think Universal has some very cohesive theming within the lands. Every inch of Harry Potter is so painstakingly themed to Harry Potter that even me, who's somebody who has very little background and knowledge of the Harry Potter universe and the things that people who are going there to experience Harry Potter are looking for, you could just tell that there was care and detail in how every stone was placed and every detail, every sign and every lettering and, and what that store is named and what it serves and what it sells and all that. Um, and some, you know, Simpsons is like that where you get into the universal theming being cohesive, but almost a little bit chintzier is at Islands of Adventure, where not a lot of updates to that theming since it opened save for Harry Potter have been made. So you have a, Entire land themed to the King Feature Syndicate's comic strip characters. It's your Dudley Do-Rights and your Blondie and um, Dagwood and Beetle Bailey. I mean, I don't think there's many people out there asking for a King Feature Syndicate themed land. And, uh, you know, even Marvel Superhero Island, which, you know, Universal is never going to change that or shut it down because of the strange nature of their uh, claim to the Marvel IP in Central Florida theme parks. Uh, but it's very much, you know, flat, almost six flag style theming in some parts of Marvel Superhero Island. It's, you know, the comic book IP when nowadays I think a lot of people are probably looking for the MCU, which they're never going to be able to do there. Um, the in the back of the park where um mythos and and in the lost continent was you have kind of poseidon and the mythos restaurant and the rest of that whole area has disappeared but the land is still there without really any big anchor attraction so some of that stuff is a miss but i think the individual theming within the lands is at least heavily themed bub <sighs> this more than any category is the the toughest category because there's no better theme park in the world than animal kingdom there isn't I, i'll fight you all day on it in terms of its storytelling by just walking into the park so but by rights animal kingdom is the best theme park in central florida uh from one to uh, whatever the hell number one to 25 if you're using the old baseball uh methodology of you know one team one one dream or 25 calves 25 players so i Animal Kingdom nails it. Magic Kingdom and all of its seven lands or eight lands, whatever you, depending on how you feel about Circus Land, just being fantasy land or, or a separate entity altogether. Um, still, even despite Tomorrowland really being abysmal in a lot of ways, Magic Kingdom is better than either of the Universal Parks. Um, where the argument begins, I think, is Epcot and Hollywood Studios. Um, and Hollywood Studios is no longer like that either. Uh, Hollywood Studios with Toy Story Land and with uh, the whole Sunset expansion. Uh, it, it's we've not an episode we've ever done, but Sunset Boulevard with Tower of Terror and the Sunset Theater of the Stars and, and a Rock and Roller Coaster does tell uh, somewhat of a story that doesn't rely on King Comics, like Tim said, or like or like a Marvel comic uh, setup. It, it's it's a story that only disney could tell 
Um, I, I know the Lost Continent kind of did it a little bit in terms of being an original IP, Tim, and and, and we've discussed uh, privately, I think, with 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 Andrew what the Lost Continent could be, and a, a lot of people know the story to kind of squirrel moment is Disney lost a lot of Imagineers when when Universal was building Islands of Adventures, and a lot of them went to work for Universal, and that's where you see a lot of this Lost Continent work. And Mythos, the restaurant there, and Poseidon's Fury, and 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 uh, the, the old Sinbad show. A lot of that Lost Continent was done by former Disney Imagineers, and I think Timmy Britt actually touched on that in an episode we did with him as well. That a lot of the guys did go to Universal when Islands was being built. The problem you run into is Tim is absolutely right in one regard that the lands within the parks, especially at the original studios, are very much handled in a way. That is back Lottie, but it works. It's an old Hollywood park type thing. You got New York, you got the New York area, you had the Amityville area with Jaws and, and the boardwalk. The problem is it's so fractured now with Men in Black being over there and then Simpsons. It, it doesn't really work cohesively. For me, on the strength of Animal Kingdom alone, Disney is much better with a coherent story in a theme park. Um, it's closer than it would have been um, because of Epcot's. Even Epcot's new neighborhoods, I don't understand it still to this day. Don't understand the new Epcot neighborhoods. Um, so for me, it's it's Disney in this regard. But guys, it, it's close. It's closer than it should be based on what Tim was saying about the the cohesity, the, the, the cohesiveness of an individual area in a park. Maybe not the park overall, but a cohesive area of the park. Certainly Harry Potter does it in spades. I don't know. I think I have to disagree with you. I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Disney on this one. I'm, I just... So you do agree with me because I, I picked Disney. Yeah, I, I think Ryan. Oh, I think Ryan was definitely going Disney. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I just think it was closer than I thought it would have been originally. It was, yeah. Which which yeah. was the case in you know a lot of these categories. Um, when you go into it and you realize everything that's kind of going into it, um, and all of the little factors, um, that go into Universal and stuff like that. But I truly agree. I I think that. Disney wins this. Disney knocks it out of the park for me. And it looks like it's going to be another clean sweep, this time in Disney's favor. Really, Bob, Bob hit it on the head. Universal does a great job with a lot of this, but outside of Harry Potter, they're not telling a story with the lands. Why am I in a very accurate recreation of, you know, 1920s New York, and then I'm in San Francisco and then I'm walking past the entrance to Harry Potter. It, it, it a collection of objects from a certain time or place at no matter how convincing they are, a theme does not make when as you walk through animal kingdom, even if you don't understand it, there are things being poked and prodded into your brain that tell you through the sights and sounds and scents that you're, you're on this adventure through these continents and exploring them through through their animals or, you know, in in Hollywood studios, as you, you transition from the studio park to the Star Wars world to uh, the Muppets, it, it, it's just Disney tells a story with their theme without you needing to go on a single attraction or really understand what that theme is uh, on an intellectual level. So, again, I uh, got to give it to Disney, but it is close. Uh, you know, Universal is some great Imagineering. So there is something that Tim said, and it's not in the pre-show. I don't think we're recording yet. Uh, we had kind of had a discussion about this episode all week and about how we we're going to attack it. And, and Tim made a valid point about Universal not having sacred cows as their attractions. And I think that's one thing that Universal deserves credit for is that begrudgingly – they get rid of Back to the Future and put in The Simpsons. They get rid of Jaws and put in Harry Potter. They're not scared, with the exception of E.T., to take down attractions that are past their shelf life. And I will say, I do, and I think Carly Tim is a big Shrek fan, and she was a former. And the fact that they took Shrek Forever After out isn't the problem, or Shrek 40, whatever it is, isn't the problem. The problem is that they're literally across the promenade from the Minions Mayhem, and they're going to do another Minions attraction. My problem becomes Universal has to, has to, has to, has to open their catalog up a little more. They have arguably the better film IP library than Disney, pound for pound, 
for what they could do with these parks. And they and I just it's it's even in the new park. The only thing I'm excited about is Nintendo and the monsters. I could care less about a Fantastic Beasts area. I could care less about a How to Train Your Dragon train entire land. Like that that just seems ludicrous to me. That that's the best you can do with Universal's film library. Blows my mind. Well, I, it's, it sounds like we're we're transitioning into the next, which is which is rides, and that that is a big big point for me. And I'm not sure if it's a positive or negative, but Universal far more than Disney is willing to to kill their sacred crowds, close down a ride if it's underperforming or they don't feel like the IP is relevant anymore. Um, to Bob's point, with Shrek 4D closing down, and and it is only a rumor now, but the construction walls all have minions on it. That that's going to become a minions attraction. Right now, the current Minions ride is the longest wait in the Universal Studios park all the time. And I think that's what motivates Universal, that this Minions ride is doing fantastic. Let's give the people more Minions. You know, this Back they, to the Future ride. So, Tim, did they did they build a Secret Life of Pets in Japan? Is that where Secret Life of Pets the No, it's in is? California, and it's amazing. Rachel and I went on when we were in California. So why are we Absolutely not getting something Secret Life? Why are we incredible. not getting that across the hall I, from Minions? Like, I, it, Minions is fine. It's a license to print money. I get it. But I, it, the fact that that's what we're going to get there, allegedly, it blows my mind. That's all. I'm sorry. I'm Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, I am, I am shocked I because – at Universal Orlando, I just assumed there was already the Secret Life of Pets ride there. And the fact that it's not there is shocking. I think part of that is the motivation of of the cost and time to build something like that. That is not a screen ride. That is a traditional, almost haunted mansion style dark ride where you're in an Omnimover and it is hundreds of animatronics all around you and above you and stuff. That said, Universal Attractions, way more thrills than Disney. I know people knock Universal for the screen rides, but they've really been dialing that back over the last couple of years. And now their premier rides are things like started with the Incredible Hulk a long time ago with the opening at Islands Adventure, but now with Haggard's magical motorbike creature adventure. I am not saying that right, but uh you don't all want to know what I'm talking about. Probably the best family roller coaster if you call it that, it's a little intense for a family roller coaster, but just an amazing 21st century roller coaster with all sorts of animatronics and speed changes and launches. And then Velocicoaster as your premier extreme thrill ride in your park where you are doing stuff with a roller coaster that has literally never been done anywhere else in the world. Um, so if you're a thrill seeker, Universal is catering to you in a huge way of uh, the mummy is is a a, a fan favorite uh drew i think considers it still the best ride in the world and that is getting uh a, a coming out of a year-long refurb um in any month now uh that said disney really their rides are more about making magic uh even their oldest dark rides still just hit a specific part of my brain. Uh, I, I won't speak for my co-hosts where it just, there's a specialness to them that can't be recreated in other places. And and maybe that for me is just the intense nostalgia that I have about Disney parks. And then Disney has the ability to really kind of keep that feeling going when it comes to their newer attractions. Rise of the Resistance, you can see the straight evolution from Snow White or Peter Pan to get to Rise of the Resistance. Um, and Disney's thrill rides certainly are not quite there at the level of Universal's. I, that's an understatement. They're nowhere near Universal's right now. But with Guardians opening up, maybe someday Tron is going to open up if we're lucky they are making real efforts to try and compete in that space. You really can see the one-to-one -one comparison of an animatronic-based family coaster in Guardians and a thrilling coaster with unique ride vehicles in Tron and Velocicoaster. It feels like a very conscious decision by Disney to try to meet Universal where they're at 
when it comes to the the thrill ride space. And then they I kind of think, no, they already have them beat in, in, in the family ride category because they have so many more traditional drug rides that aren't the screen rides, which really aren't for everybody. And Universal kind of spent the 2000s going all in on those. And I enjoy some of those rides. I think Transformers is one of the best rides uh, around. I think Minions is great. But then you have your misses like the utterly baffling Jimmy Fallon escape from New York. I think I think that's it right there. Universal's highs are very, very high. And Universal's lows, your Fast and the Furious Supercharge, your Jimmy Fallon's are so bad that they're they're baffling as to why they're still open and what the intent in the first place of, of making these rides were. I agree with you. Um, and then another thing to bring up and the reason that I will not be pl- visiting anytime soon is there is close to nothing to do for toddlers. Um, I went there when I was pregnant and there was uh, literally a warning for pregnant people on every single ride. It was it's it's something that it's not as family friendly when I'm talking to clients about bringing about we call it like qualifying your client on where to go. You you get to asking these questions. Hey, how old are your kids? You know, do they like roller coasters? Do they like these sort of rides? And usually Universal is for my 12 and up groups, because if you have a child who doesn't want to go on fast rides that might just want to be immersed in the magic. Um, They're definitely a Disney family. If you have kids that might get bored at Disney and might want to go just for thrill rides, they're a universal family. So it's, it still seems like very different types of audiences that they are looking for at this point. It's a tough one, Jordana, because when you look at universal as a whole, their height restrictions dictate the type of vacation you're going to have, period. If you look at the height restrictions with the exception of, you know, uh, Seuss Landing, they're all a significant, not significant, but they're all, Disney is a much more a family park, a family setup. It doesn't mean that Mission Space and Test Track and Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror and Space Mountain and Tron when it opens to him, and Guardians aren't these great attractions. It doesn't mean that Avatar, Flight of Patches, and Dinosaur aren't great, thrilling attractions. They're a different type of thrilling attraction than Velocicoaster, than the Harry Potter stuff, um, than King Kong. You know, it's just it's a different feel. Transformers could even be considered a thrilling attraction if you're into that type of thing. It doesn't necessarily equal a fast moving attraction or a loop coaster or something like that. But it's, there's a lot to this Spider-Man. My kids would love to go on Spider-Man. They would absolutely love it. They would love the attraction. I'm sure I consider Spider-Man a thrilling attraction, maybe not a thrill ride, but it's a thrilling attraction. I I don't know that I agree that it's gotta be 12 and up Jordana. I, I do agree that it does skew older than I think Disney does. And I think that's by design. I think Disney certainly, if variety is the spice of your life, then Disney is the way to go. Uh, One to 86 or whatever the attraction count was that we had. I I think Disney is probably your best bet. Uh, Tim, I I think you made the best point in this segment to me, and it kind of stuck with me when you said it's Universal's highs Disney's probably not even close, but man, Universal's lows are really freaking low. Bad, like out and out, a bad thought went into that attraction, bad design, bad execution. There isn't a redeemable quality in some of their attractions. Um, So I like to look at the comparables. Tim, I know you just went down. Dudley Do-Rights versus something like Splash Mountain. Uh, You know, uh, Popeye and Bluto versus Collie River Rapids. I think Universal wins both of those on a legitimate level. Um, I, for me, uh, a rock and roller coaster is getting to the point where its shelf life, it needs an entire overhaul. I think that something like the Incredible Hulk coaster is probably a much smoother attraction now. Um, but Universal doesn't have the Haunted Mansion. Universal doesn't have the Jungle Cruise. Universal doesn't have Peter Pan's flight. It, admittedly not my favorite attraction it doesn't 
have tradition on its side. And I think that's okay. I think that's okay. For me, traditionalist, Disney probably wins this based on my vacation, my vacationing needs with my kids and my wife. Disney wins the the, the rides portion of this. Um, if I'm going, Tim, if me and you went down, I, I would assume me and you go to Universal. I Just based on uh, the, the, the high-end attractions alone, I think we would end up at Universal if me and you went on a trip. For sure. Um, so I, I'd like to go next just because I hope Jordana could, could kind of help out. I think in my heart of hearts, I know I'm not supposed to do this. For me, this has got to be a push because I care so deeply about the tradition and I care so deeply about my haunted mansions and my country bears. But I also love technology and innovation and change. And, and having gone down there and having experienced the newest stuff, which is already out there and operating and running, unlike Disney, where it keeps getting pushed back and changed. And even Tron is just a clone of a ride that's already five years old. Uh, what did what Universal is doing on their new stuff is, is so incredible and so uh, engaging that uh, it. It's a counterweight to that tradition. And as Bob said, the question is, is being a slave to tradition even the best thing? So for me, it really is a push. I, I can't decide. So hopefully I don't have to, because I think Jordana is going to agree with Bob in the long run. But oh, I'll let her say her part. Absolutely. I agree with Bob. Um, I get what you're saying, Tim. And I think because it's so fresh in your mind right now, because you had just gone a few weeks ago, um, that it's, you know, it, it's just, you've just, just experienced it, but you're also going in Disney in a couple months, right? Or next month, a couple weeks, a couple weeks next month. I'm looking at my, I'm literally looking at my client calendar right now. Um, so, um, with that, it's like you, um, I think because you're going to experience some new things, you know, you might you might change your answer in a couple weeks. But it's something, you know, I think you're going to you you have to push off your answer a couple of years to give Disney some time to catch up. You know, I think they are in the middle of all these fixes and all of this uh, I guess all just all these updates and stuff. So where Universal kind of like not that they just finished, but Harry Potter's done. They have, you know, Velocicoaster that's done. So it's it's like all these new things are already done. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, we we really aren't going to see any big changes from Universal now until 2025 at least, which is the projected opening for Epic Universe. Um, and to Jordana's point, uh, I I obviously I don't have children, so I don't think about the parks in the way Jordana brought up about having young children and what they can enjoy. Uh, but one thing I could not help but notice, because this is certainly not the case at Disney, virtually every single ride at Universal has a child swap area and child swap system. Disney, uh, I'm sure Jordana can give you the exact count, but the only ones that stick out in my head are the roller coasters and Tower of Terror and maybe Test Track that have child swap. Uh, is is that true, Jordana? You can actually you can ride or swap on any ride technically. Um, as far as it having areas, no, there's like none. Um, but yeah, if you know if your kid's having a meltdown and can't make it on Dumbo, you can ride or swap if you really want. You know, and then they have that little play area. That's the only thing I can really think of as far as something like that. You know. But I feel like the rider swaps at Universal are more out of necessity. There's just oh, so many oh, rides absolutely. that have have some kind of restriction, so they need to have it built into the ride an right. area for for the family to wait to that rider swap. So I think that's probably another factor that sometime down the road that I'll consider. But it sounds like Disney is winning in the rides category. But I think it was pretty close, to be honest. Um. All right. What goes hand in hand with rides? With live entertainment. Uh, Jordan, you want to start this one off? Yeah. Uh, live entertainment. So there's a bunch. There's the parades. There's the stage shows. There's, you know, I mean, this is something that Disney is just known for, that it's like people dream their whole lives to work here and do these sort of things. Um, and 
I think it's just a certain type of production and a certain type of magic and, again, immersiveness that really brings it out. Um, you know, we just heard in the news that Fantasmic's going to be, like, coming back and it's getting a little bit of an update. So I think that these shows are kind of always pushing forward to as well. Um, I'm not too... I gotta be honest, I'm not too familiar with... I know that Universal has a couple parades, um, but I know... And then, you know, the character meets, kind of, but that's not really entertainment, I guess, but um, someone's gonna have to fill me in as far as Universal goes. Well, so, Jordana, the problem the problem with Universal, not even a problem, is it's much more of a streetmosphere. You randomly had the Ghostbusters, you know, driving around through New York. You had the Blues Brothers giving impromptu concerts on the balcony in the area they were in. Uh, the Harry Potter stuff, you have the front, the, the Toad Choir, stuff like that. And There's I don't think you can. There's five un- different shows in Harry Potter now. Yeah, I don't think you can undersell, because the Weird Sisters, I don't think you can undersell the Ollivander's experience as an, as a live experience. And it's an immersive experience, a different type of experience, but I don't think you can undersell that either. I think they used to have the dinosaur, uh, you know, the, the, the blue exhibit. And I think they still do kind they of, still kind do. of lost. Yep. So th- there's certainly things, options, Universal's nighttime show is supposed to be excellent. I've never actually seen it, but it's supposed to be excellent, which again goes to their film library being incredible, what they can use. Um, it, it, to me, currently right now, May 9th, 2022, Disney is like, if, if we're granting Universal is light years ahead of them in the resort category, in the hotel-specific category, which I think the three of us are kind of in agreement on that, in a way. I I think this is one spot that's almost a blind spot for Universal. I mean, I I don't know that Universal, outside of the stuff in in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, is really anywhere in the same ballpark of Disney's ability to put on a show. And look no further than something like Finding Nemo. If we're going to include that or that's an attraction, we're splitting hairs, I think. But for me, it, it, it's got to be Disney in this instance, um, especially overall, despite my hatred of Harmonious. It, Disney does nighttime spectaculars better than, than any park I've ever been to in my life. And the parades aren't even close. So the Universal Christmas Parade is very well done. I will say that. The Universal Christmas Parade is is excellent. But... Um, the parades aren't really comparable either yet. Doesn't mean Universal won't be, but I don't think it's that close. Tim, prove me wrong. Gonna, Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm going to prove you wrong on one thing. Uh, Rachel and I were lucky enough to be down there for the last day of it. Universal has one parade that blows all the Disney parades out of the water, and that's for Mardi Gras. That's really something that Disney doesn't do at all. And Universal goes and gets two of the big uh, parade companies from New Orleans. They have their employees come up here for uh, as soon as Mardi Gras is done in New Orleans and they put on a full-blown Mardi Gras style uh, parade with floats and beads. And um, I've been down New Orleans for Mardi Gras, seen the parades down there. And now I've seen it Universal and Universal is almost like the idealized, almost Disney-fied version of a Mardi Gras parade. And and that is something really spectacular and, and amazing to see that you never thought you saw it at a theme park before. So as good as all that streetmosphere is, and there's something to be said for having a much more complete streetmosphere that is scheduled and you can look it up on the app, what time it's happening. And it's more of a show than just, uh, you know, some people walking around that unfortunately is what a lot of the quote unquote streetmosphere at Disney has become. Really, all the Universal stuff is anchored by Two very, very different shows, one in each park. In Universal Studios proper, you have the Bourne Stuntacular, which is a cutting-edge stunt show that's been around for less than a year. It utilizes the same technology they use to film The Mandalorian and a lot of the Disney Plus Marvel shows, where you have a massive, curved, uh, ultra-high-definition screen that projects photorealistic digital sets and actors behind live actors, which then is combined with uh, actual set pieces to put on some a really incredible stunt show that's 
unlike any other theme park stunt show um, that I've ever seen. And if I take nostalgia out of it, it's probably better than Waterworld or um, the Indiana Jones stunt show. And then on the flip side, at Islands of Adventure, you have the long, long running and, and truly unique, but in a lot of ways dated and probably something I love for nostalgic reason, uh, Poseidon, which is this truly unique walkthrough show with live actors that depicts a mythical battle between Poseidon and an evil god that he's imprisoned in a temple that you're exploring. Just really neat show and, and cool that Universal has kept it running all these years uh, for a show that really is totally unique in the theme park space, that you move through three or four sets being led by an actor with a combination of uh, practical effects and projections. Uh, That said, that's really it when it comes to uh, live shows at Universal. I mean, you can only look back a couple weeks ago, we did our favorite live entertainment at Walt Disney World. We made a whole show out of it, and there were multiple shows we didn't even talk about. Animal Kingdom alone has two Broadway-caliber shows that are 40-plus minutes apiece in Finding Nemo and The Lion King. And even as Disney has scaled back some of this stuff due to COVID and is still ramping it back up, they are so far ahead of Universal, even in this reduced capacity. Um, Nighttime Spectaculars, Universal has a very cool fountain and projection show in the lagoon at Universal proper that does draw from their rich history of film IPs. And uh, at Islands of Adventure, they have the Harry Potter castle projections, which is very, very cool. Uh, The Christmas version of it is very neat. Uh, That said, it's not even close. This is Disney in a mega mega landslide um their staged shows and their nighttime spectaculars are really incomparable in the world never mind in orlando theme parks so that's another clean sweep then jordana right for for disney and shows there absolutely right there no no one does the shows like disney though let's be honest all right all right couple quick categories uh first up food uh universal has a reputation for not having the best food program uh disney on the other hand has a reputation for their people who go to disney just for the food i will say uh universal is getting better at um you know all their quick services now have a vegetarian option that wasn't the case even only a few years ago as a vegetarian that's a big deal to me uh that said their food is not all that innovative Uh, They have almost no table service restaurants. The only table service restaurant of note in either of their parks is Mythos. Uh, I know there are more, but nobody talks about them. There's nobody climbing all over each other to get their reservation in 60 days in advance at Universal. And uh, Disney has absolutely incredible food, uh, truly innovative plant-based and dietary restricted options, uh, amazing table service restaurants with amazing theming. They attract world-class chefs to uh, do this. Their selection of seasonal and uh, event-based snacks and treats is unmatched. And that's not even talking about the perpetual food festival that Epcot has really become. Uh, I will say uh, Universal, some of their sweet treats, really good and uh, better prices than Disney. But overall, even their quick service food, despite being significantly worse than Disney, all seem to be a, a dollar more expensive than the equivalent would have been at Disney. So uh, for me, Universal is crushed again by Disney in this category. Quick note for this is the only kind of saving that Universal has. I've heard that Universal club level uh, food that is there is like blows Disney out of the water. So, but I haven't experienced that. I've experienced club level at Disney and I absolutely loved the food there. So I think I need to go over to Universal just to see what the hype is about over there. Uh, Other than that, yeah, definitely Disney all the way. And I'd almost say that's disqualifying because that club level food perk, that's not coming from Universal. That's coming from Lowe's Resort. That's true. And and that's almost... Again, a reflection of having a true luxury resort company run your hotels, then try to run your hotels yourself. You're going to see, I noticed this even even at Dockside, you have a hotel lobby bar, which none of the values at Disney have, that had all 
top shelf spirits and a very innovative drink menu. But I think those sorts of things, despite being food and beverage, uh, fall to the hotels and, and the food and beverage in the parks. It, Disney's a clear winner. But right. yeah, I'm going to make this simple. It's Disney um, variety alone. Just the options you have. It's Disney. All right. Other quick one. And I think I'm going to have an unpopular opinion on this. But uh, with the advent of Genie Plus, both Disney and Universal for the first time ever in Orlando are offering a paid skip the line system. And I think that Express Fast Universal's is much better. Uh, It does not try to tread the weird line that Genie Plus is treading. Uh, It is significantly more expensive, but allows you to truly skip the line for every single ride that will ever have a wait at Universal. But the high cost of entry means that the vast majority of people in the park for a day will not purchase the perk. And therefore, the skip the line or express pass line never backs up the standby line. So the standby queues continually flow. Whereas Disney really tried to take a middle ground by moderately pricing it uh, for Genie Plus, uh, made a lot of uh, estimations that a quarter to a third of daily guests would use it, that you would be able to get three to four, if not more rides, if you were less picky about it. And the reality is, uh, two weeks ago, we saw that Disney had to revise the Genie Plus page on the Walt Disney World website to say that guests can expect one to two Genie Plus selections on the average day. Uh, people are uh, have to be up at 7 a.m. to have any chance of getting a more popular Genie Plus Lightning Lane at uh, a uh, early time so that they are prepared to then at one o'clock when the next round of Genie Plus reservations releases, jump on their phone and try to grab another one. Uh, and even the paid uh, premium add-on rides, your Rise the Resistance, your Ratatouille, those sell out. Uh, so even the the secondary gate that is supposed to be kept by that individual ride payment uh, it, it is also not available. And I think this has just devolved into a total mess for Disney. Uh, their old system, I think, universally, and this podcast was no friend of FastPass Plus, I would take FastPass Plus over Genie Plus in a heartbeat, and I never thought I would be saying I'll take FastPass Plus over anything. And I think that if you truly want to have a premium skip the line option, that you need to price it as a premium so that not everyone will buy it and it can function as a premium add-on. Jordana? I mean, I'm just confused why you think this is an unpopular opinion because this, yeah, no, Express Pass, I just, I wish they would do it. I wish Disney would do something like it, anything like it, adopt it, steal it, it's fine, whatever. Everybody deserves a better experience. Genie Plus is confusing. It's confusing to explain. It's confusing to learn. It's frustrating having to get up at 7 on your vacation after you've literally probably just got back to your room at 11 o'clock from walking around all day. It's just, it's something that, you know, they... They, it's a system that does need to be fixed, unfortunately. So, yeah, I am definitely going with Express Pass is way better. I, yeah, I don't know why that's a hot take. It It's clearly the better of the two systems. You guys, I, it, please. I, I, I don't know. I thought picking the one that starts at $169 per person nope. per day was, was sounded, you know, entitled or outrageous. But the, 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 the status associated with it is actually what makes it work because – you know, very few people will actually purchase it. Well, especially because you hear the horror stories right now of Disney sucking at Genie Plus. Sucking at it. Being terrible with it. Like you said, they've already... It used to be you got three of the paper fast passes, Tim. You can get one every, you know, every four hours or the thing was. Then it was three picks, 60 days out, and you could add on from there. Now it's you're lucky if you get one or two, like you said. The average I've been seeing is like 1.75. I don't know how that even works, but ultimately it's it's universal, even despite the, the cost, it is the better of the two systems that are in place right now. All right, so skipping the line is gonna go to universal. And that's all the big categories we had. 
I do want to throw out one last category, which is just I kind of think of it as X Factor or the magic, not to steal Disney's term. But this is kind of a catch all anything you want to make your your impassioned plea for one or the other or something that you don't think we covered uh, in this comparison that really um, you think needs to be said before we decide which is the best place to spend your vacation dollars. Well, Tim, the best place to spend your vacation dollars. Who am I to tell somebody how to spend their money? But if you're going to use the word magic or X factor for all of the reasons we've discussed to this point, I, I think Disney has that edge. I want it to be known that the categories Universal won tonight, they won going away. They won handily. So there are things that Universal does that far exceed anything Disney does. In, even though it lost attractions, it, the high-end attractions at Universal are out of this world. Good. Um, for me, it's tough because I'm such a fan of the universal monsters i'm a fan of jurassic park and i loved the science uh i forget what the hell they called it uh, where back to the future was uh, there was a specific name for that portion of the park back to the future the big hill valley convention center i'm a sucker for universal movies i need universal to bring those IPs back in some way, shape, or form, and not just in a nighttime show. For me, if the potential X factor is Universal's entire library being utilized in one of the three parks, obviously including Epic Universe when it opens, then Universal's X factor to me is the winner because of their library, because of their ability to touch on things that Disney is either too scared or too conservative fiscally to do. And I just think that Universal's X Factor is much greater than Disney's X Factor at this time. So I'm going to give Universal the X Factor based on potential that we will never see, but based on the potential, I feel like Universal could do some amazing things if they ever opened up their entire library. Fair enough. I mean... I, you know, I'm a full-blown Disney adult. We've talked about this. It's obvious to me that iridescent colored, which I know Tim loves that color. That iridescent color. Definitely a color. color. <laughs> iridescent colored magic. It's it just gets me. It gets me in the feels, and that is what is important to me. Um, the X Factor stuff. It's cool. It's just just not my personality. It's not for me. So um, I got to go Disney on this one. All right. Uh, My X Factor, my little bonus thing that I wanted to discuss is is far less heady than either of yours. And that is just um, Rachel and I, when we were down there a couple weeks ago, it was the week after most kids spring break. But at Universal, uh, the first three days we were there was the uh, international cheerleading competition for the whole world main cheerleading competition all age groups and then in the middle of the week there was a bunch of marching bands doing a competition and then the back half of the week was the uh north american cheerleading open and these are all things that have been postponed and were rescheduled due to covid and now they're trying to get that stuff back even with this huge amount of extra people in the park due to these events the lines and the crowds were so much more manageable. And speaking to employees at Universal and stuff, they were talking about, oh, we're so busy right now. And the only time you ever felt that like out of control busyness, that the point where it was making the vacation less fun was specifically uh, when it came to food ordering. And that has way more to do with how uh, poorly implemented and backwards Universal's mobile ordering and order ahead and food pickup stuff is because as we said they're just way behind disney when it comes to that stuff so for me i have to give it to universal that if you want a more casual laid-back vacation where you don't have to plan your attack every day you know we're going to get up we're going to rope drop this we're going to do this we're going to go back to the hotel in the middle of the day when it's really busy and then we're going to come back we're going to do this we're going to skip the fireworks so that we can get rides on this and you kind of can just meander around a park and if you see a ride do it and you're really only going to wait in a real line for the harry potter stuff or 
VelociCoaster at peak times. And even those, you can kind of plan your day and look when the wait times are going down the app to uh, get in line for those. So that's kind of the the X factor for me. I, I don't think you can discount that even at a higher capacity, at a busier time, that Universal still has manageable crowds in 2022 when Disney, that's half the stories we see on the Disney internet and on Disney Twitter is just how crowded it is to the point where it, it it's, can be not fun or, or potentially unsafe, which is shoulder to shoulder crowds as we're kind of still in the tail end of a pandemic. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I fall out. That was my, my X factor on this whole thing. Hey, so universal, you know, put up a fight, you know, X factors and resort hotels. I mean, universal did okay today. Universal coming in this episode, Tim was uh, undefeated in these head to head battles. Uh, but if my calculations are correct here, it, it does seem like Disney has won this seven game series, four games to three. If my math is correct, and I am not known for my math skills, Tim, but um, checking checking behind you, yes, it does seem Disney won. I think it's even closer than it looks on paper, and I think mm-hmm. it does come down to a personal decision um, value for your do- vacation dollars. Mm-hmm. If that's a factor, maybe Universal is something to consider. But yeah, I mean, we are the Disney guys uncensored. They are the home team here, and, and there's a reason we're not the universal guys uncensored. This is Disney is a truly magical, special place that really exists in its own world. So it it makes sense. Quite literally its own world. Um, Jordana parting words for those universal fans. Universal's fun. Universal's a lot of fun, but Tim, not, not that. (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can't dictate to people how to spend their money, but in this instance, on this day, Disney was the better comp for us. That's it. What do you want me to tell you? Disney World. No, for sure. For versus sure. Universal. Disney wins. No knock, no knock on Universal at all. Universal, great place to go. Disney wins based on the criteria we talked about today. Um, Tim, if we had included Volcano Bay, I think there might have been some different heads turning here, bud. But yeah, I I think we I think Volcano Bay is due an episode in the future. That's something to look forward mm-hmm. to. And wherever Disney Universal, SeaWorld, Bush Gardens, uh, a random Six Flags, wherever you want to spend your vacation dollars, Hawaii, the Maldives, wherever, make sure you hit up Jordana. And she will uh, she will optimize those vacation dollars for you in the best way possible. I'll tell you, Tim jumped from Six Flags to the Maldives. That is, that yeah, is. Yeah, it's just, like a one to one, right? Well, well. To be done. fair, that's, my Maldives clients are going next week, so. I, I think that's an episode, folks. The Maldives versus every Six Flags in the world, and see who wins. I'll Coming to you it. soon. <laughs> oh, that I think though is going to wrap up episode one hundred and forty-one. Walt Disney World versus Universal Orlando. If you liked tonight's battle, please go sure. Be sure to go back and listen to episode 101, where we took an extremely deep dive in a battle of the lands, Universal versus Disney, and episode 85, where we took a look at one of my favorite periods of Universal Studios history, the Ride the Movies era, and Tim, I know that was very near and dear to your heart as well. Uh, These episodes and more are available on your preferred listening platforms, and if you have any questions for Tim, Jordana, or my Myself, please feel free to reach uh, reach out to us at the Disney Guys Uncensored at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please think about giving us a rating or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or in the Google Play Store. As always, thanks for listening to the Disney Guys Uncensored, and we'll see you next week. Bye.